0: Hello and welcome to Amplify. Music there from Hormos Farhat, his second piano sonata performed by Mary DeLay. And this week, we mark the passing of this composer, an emeritus professor of music at Trinity College, Dublin, who died in August of this year.
1: Hello, Yvonne. Hello, Jonathan.
0: And so we devote this entire episode to Iranian born Hormoz Farhat and include interviews with Hormoz himself, fellow Iranian composer Amir Tafreshapur, as well as composer and former student of Farhat, Donica Denahi.
1: So earlier this year, Jonathan, our CMC colleague Linda O'Shaifaran interviewed Hormuz Farhat about his life and work, clips from which we'll hear in the course of this episode of Amplify. And over a period of months in 2018, Linda had gathered Hormuz Farhat's scores and these scores were included in a major digitization project by CMC that was funded by the Department of Arts and Culture. The digitised scores in CMC were then typeset by Iranian composer Amir Tafreshipur and these typeset scores enabled further performance and recording of Hormoz Farhat's works and Linda also talked with Amir Tafreshipur and we'll also hear that in this episode. Well, in addition to composing a significant body of works for a range of forces, Hormuz Farhad also composed scores for films by prominent Iranian film directors in the 1970s. He was active as the chairman of the Music Council at the National Iranian Radio and Television Organisation and was also centrally involved in the music programming of the Shiraz Arts Festival in Iran. And in May 2018, the Iranian Artists Forum hosted Professor Farhad at a special ceremony in Iran to honour the composer's professional career. Complementary to his work as a composer and chair of music at Trinity College Dublin, Hormoz Farhat was also a published author, including The Dashke, Concepts in Persian Music, considered a seminal work on the Persian modal system, and his recent memoir, Past Present. So we
0: hear now from Hormos Farhat, as interviewed over Zoom in late 2020 by CMC's Linda O'Shea Farron. Also included in the feature is an extract from Linda's interview with Amir Tafreshipur, whose music also features alongside Farhats in the 2020 album Persian Autumn by pianist Mary DeLay.
2: Talk about oneself is is not a graceful thing to do, but uh, of many years of studying, you know, I studied with some of the very notable composers of the 20th century, including uh, uh, having done my master's uh, comp- degree in composition uh, under supervision of Darius Milhaud, uh, a very renowned French composer of of 20th century. And then I had periods of studies with Lucas Foss, one of the avant-garde composers of last century. And uh, also a period of study with Roy Harris, uh, uh, very major figure in American music and composition. So, uh, and I had taught composition, I taught orchestration, I taught counterpoint, uh, Uh, So I had really, by the time I went back in the 70s, back to the native country, I had with me a heavy load of experience which could have been of value to a country which was very much on the verge of coming into the modern world and in a very rapid manner they they were doing this. Uh, Reforms that were taking place were really quite... Uh, overwhelming, uh, almost. One of several uh, engagements I had was, the main one, of course, was that I uh, was appointed as professor and head of newly created School of Music at the University of Tehran, which is, of course, the most prestigious, oldest university of the country. But in addition, I was also the head uh, of the Music Council at the radio and television network of the country that uh, it was really my job to oversee the programming of all music, whether native music, Persian music, or Western music. I was very, very fortunate and uh, very, of course, pleased to be appointed as Professor of Music at Trinity College and Head of the School of Music and uh, found uh, working in Trinity in many ways very rewarding. Uh,
3: You actually came through Belfast, and maybe you could give a little insight into how Belfast featured.
2: (laughs) Yes in 70 early in 79 when the shah uh, left the country which was really a, a great blow to many of people many people at that point I, I knew that the future of the country is going to be different at least for a while this prompted me to appeal to friends that I had in universities around, uh, in the united states and elsewhere to see if there are any offers among uh, a few whom I contacted, I wrote to a very good friend of mine, John Blacking, who was professor of Social Anthropology and had created the Department of Ethnomusicology within his his own department at Queen's University in Belfast. He had in fact a few years before invited me for a series of lectures which I had gone and uh, done and uh, enjoyed my stay uh, in Belfast, even though it was in the height of troubles. So and, uh, John Blacking had immediately uh, gone to the Vice-Chancellor and uh, uh, had said some, I suppose, uh, uh, positive things about me and uh, had organized a, a visiting professorship at Queen's University for me. And uh, he wrote that uh, he has organized a one-year visiting professorship for me. So I wired back, I didn't wait for response from other friends to whom I had appealed. And uh, I said, yes, I will. So that's how I ended up in Belfast. And then two years later, the chair of music at Trinity College was advertised. Again, it was John Blacking who insisted that I should apply. I ended up being offered the chair of music at Trinity College, which was of course a great pleasure and joy for me to to come to the Republic of Ireland.
3: the album now because I was talking to Amir about the choice of works and obviously you got to choose your own works but it was wonderful that you were able to get your two piano sonatas included and that they were composed sort of half a century apart roughly.
2: More than that. Uh, <laughs> my uh, first piano sonata dates I think from 1956 56, 56 yes, in 2010 you know. around that time and the second one is
3: 2010. 10 years ago,
2: in ten, Yes, 2010. So they they uh, represent uh, a very wide span. Of course, there are a lot of piano music that I've written in between the two. Not sonatas, but there are many, but uh, there are the two sonatas which are sort of uh, heavy works.
3: I know you're a very modest man, Hormus, and it's very hard to extract any kind of um, deep discussion by you of your own work. But after all these years of these manuscripts being sort of, let's say, locked away because you were busy, it's amazing that they could get from your filing cabinet to performance by somebody of Mary's Mary Mm -hmm. Delay's utter Mm -hmm. preeminence.
2: No, I'm in my 90s, and I haven't really ever endeavoured to publicise myself at all. But uh, Tafishipur, from the time that he came to know me and befriend me, which is about 12 or 13 years ago, in, uh, he has taken upon himself to promote me. <laughs> uh, at, at this age, uh, he's, he's doing this on his own volition. He's been extremely generous and kind with me, and I'm, of course, very grateful.
4: Well, I always wanted to record his music, I thought, and this was not the first time. The first time was when we recorded his first string quartet in St. Petersburg, and uh, we recorded it in the famous studio called Melodia, which also Shostakovich recorded much of his music, phonic music, and and uh, uh, recording the first string quartet of, you know, of him, it was, it was, he was kind of a kind of a legacy for me and you know I, I, I got to be the one you know i got the chance to record you know his first string quartet and that was wonderful and i realized i learned so much about recording his music i learned so much about his personality you know and why he is as such what the look on his face when he, when he look at you you know where does it come from you know and and the 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 the, the longing you know the longing when he speaks about his life. Where does it come from? And I heard it all in in, in the first string quartet. That was recorded along with two other uh, string quartets and w- 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 was uh, published in Iran. I realized that, that uh, publishing in Iran, it was just for Iran. And I, I thought to myself, in, in, we, need, we need a global artist, we need, we need a pianist maybe, piano works, because piano work is something that you can get out and you can get the interest of pianists to uh, play string quartet, then you need four string players, but the, uh, you can always find the pianist to perform the music. And I realized, why not record uh, the, you know, the, the two sonatas, which were, which were very apart from each other? And you, you, can hear, you can hear the influences. It's just the same man which got older, and the music got uh, more uh, wrapped up, in a way that he has come to a conclusion. Now he knows, you know. Now, now this is this is him. This, this is what he likes. This this is the way he wants it. I knew the professor, you know, from before, because he was one of the pioneers of uh, to have studied uh, Western classical music in the West, in particular in uh, USA. The first time I met Hormoz was actually at a concert arranged by BBC Symphony Orchestra in London in 2006, where I was commissioned to write a harp, harp concerto, and before that... I was approached by the manager of BBC Symphony Orchestra and were, were asked if I could present uh, some uh, composers from Iran, which we could include in that programme. And immediately I saw the name, and that was the name I picked, obviously. And there were other names also, which I knew well, but, but I knew he, he, he would be the best one to get a commission from BBC, and he did. And then he came to London, and we had the premiere at Madewell Studios in 2006. I remember walking down the stairs in May studios and I nervously opened the door to the studio and they were rehearsing this uh, piece by him uh, and Novo uh, Rivage for orchestra and I, I could see the red light was on so I thought to myself am I going to open the door or am I not going to open the door? I thought hell I'm just going to open the door and because I want to see this man I can't wait any longer and I opened the door and I, you know, very slowly went ahead. And there he was at the front seat. And I sat behind him. And I was preparing myself to how to greet this man because he he was such an icon for me. And I heard the music and and it got worse because the music was so beautiful. And it made such an impression on me. And ever since then, I'm listening to Novo Rivage. I'm reminded of that scenery again and again. this man ever since you know ever since I met him I realized this this man is a, is a is a global man he doesn't really belong to anywhere though he was but, 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 you know brought up in Iran in his early youth and then he went to America then now in Ireland he fits everywhere really because he 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 is he's he's a global figure that's what he is mm-hmm.
2: I didn't go to America to become an American citizen. I went there to study. But eventually, because uh, I stayed on, uh, did my BA after four years, uh, then my MA and then PhD, and then academic career in America. So I went to America in 1949. Harry Truman was president. I became an American citizen in 1966. In other words, I didn't go there to become an American. I went there to study. But eventually, because it took from one thing to another, I continued. But all this was as a background to to the fact that uh, I did not come to Ireland as a refugee or anything, I was an American citizen. Uh, It was really the turn of events and the good fortune that brought me here. And God knows that how very, very pleased, how very grateful both Maria and I, and of course our son Robert was born here, are for being in Ireland uh, among Lovely people, friendly, modest, charming people.
0: Hormos Farhat, speaking last year to Linda O'Shea Farron about his life and work. In the days following Professor Farhat's death in August, I spoke to one of his former students, Donica Dennehy, from his home in the u s about Farhat's pivotal influence on him as a young developing composer and his subsequent friendship with him. He was
5: an enormously encouraging person for me it's almost one of the greatest things to have someone that you know just as encouraging you. He seemed to be just instantly taken with what I was doing. And that was such a kind of, I don't know, it gave me such confidence in writing. And I, I just, you know, it took over. I mean, I had been composing, actually, from when I was a kid, I started composing. Sorry. But there was something about his belief in it that, uh, in a way, never left me. I just wrote to his wife that I think he really changed the course of my life. You know, that, the, that sort of um, support. He would come to so much. He would always have really interesting things to to say. He was such an independent thinker. I loved that about him. And he 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 led an absolutely fascinating life. You know, uh, when I lived in Amsterdam for a while, I remember he came and visited and stayed in a hotel around the corner from where I lived, and we hung out for a great few days. They were wonderful few days, actually where he told me a lot about his life, which I hadn't known, really, because I had just been, his, you know, a student. You know, just a fascinating life between Tehran, L.A., Paris for a little while, Belfast, and then he ended up in Dublin. It was a great thing for Dublin to have a vantage point that was so international. That was the thing about Farhat. He knew things that were outside just the sort of club version of thinking of things. There was a sense in which Farhat believed in you having your own voice and not to be too worried about what anyone made of it at that time, especially if there was something beautiful in what you did, too, not to cover it up and let that strange beauty be there. I think I kept that. you know I think that was very strong with me, that you have to have the conviction, you know, in what you're doing. He himself was very modest about his own music. In fact, too modest. The amazing thing is that Farhat was this really successful film composer back in Iran (laughs) at one stage. You know, there's all these different parts to his life, and uh, and these are like really highly regarded films. So I went searching for some of the soundtracks, and you know, I heard it, and then I came across this string orchestra piece that had just been done on the BBC, and it was on their archives, and I listened to it, and. I was just struck by it. I just thought, wow, that's, that's a really stunning, clear piece. He was an incredibly clear thinker, and, and that came across in his composition as well. And I, I think he sort of hid that. You know, his music wasn't really done in Ireland, and that, I think, is a shame. He was very interested in a kind of a new beauty. And that was really unusual to have that in a composition teacher then. Uh, And so that was kind of liberating for me to have had that. The other thing I think was also that he had a lot of this knowledge from what's called world music, you know, uh, like he wrote what's a very important book on Persian music, the Dasghar concept in in, in Persian music. He taught ethnomusicology uh, at Trinity. And there was that kind of openness to what's in other musical cultures. And that sort of way of looking at things outside just the narrow view of so-called contemporary classical, or it's horrible to use these terms, that was also a kind of a different paradigm. As Irish people, we have this weird inferiority complex about our own uh, culture, but he didn't feel that at all. He felt that Ireland was a fascinating cultural place because he had that kind of openness of a real worldwide view of things. But he was the prof to me and then eventually became homeless. Yeah. And uh, a terrific person to talk to. And full yeah. of the interesting things that you would sort of slowly learn about him as the years went by. Yeah. Yet, like the way we might slowly learn about some of his music, I would hope.
0: Donika Dennehy on Hormos Farhat, ending this episode of Amplify. My thanks to Keith Fennell, who edited this episode. We'll be back again next week. Until then, bye for now, and thanks for listening.